welcome to the Autism Grown Up Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Tara Regan. On this podcast, this is one of our many resources. This is the place where we explore and discuss topics related to adulthood and growing up, as well as share stories, strategies, and resources from people in our autism community. In today's episode, we're doing things a little bit differently. I wanted to come at the start of the podcast and just say a few words about some updates, some things coming up on the horizon from Autism Grown Up, and to just share some things that I've been really excited about and I know many other people in our community are also excited about. Switch things up a little bit. Let's see if we like this format. If we don't, we'll go back to what we were previously doing with the regular intro and then jumping into the into the show. But this is also such a great way to document autism grown-ups growth because we are still a relatively newer organization. We're doing things that are very different from other nonprofits, much less organizations doing work in autism. So it will be interesting to look back on these episodes and see where we were with things. And I also want to be able to share a little bit more about my family and what we are navigating on a, maybe we can talk about this on a week to week basis because I see them fairly regularly. I do respite with them every other week. We FaceTime each other all the time. And I wanna share some things that we are working on, some of our challenges, some of the things that we wish we had more in place. And hopefully that can help you all too in some form or fashion, just to get to know me or get ideas. I also probably will be posing questions to get ideas too, because there are some things that we are in brand new territory with. and. A lot of you all, my hive mind of experts here, have a lot of great ideas. So the first thing I wanted to share is, I just have a few things, is that I attended a North Carolina ABLE training, and this was something provided by another nonprofit in my area called The Collaborative, and their goal is to, on a broader level, find ways to close the wealth gap, and one of those areas is in disability. From what they shared with us, as they've been a huge part of the ABLE accounts here in North Carolina, is that not a lot of people have these accounts, and so they're trying to spread word and that's why they had this training it was like a train the trainer event so feel sufficiently trained but I'm always going to be looking more and looking at these resources that they provided to us but I hope to put this in some type of uh, format that is easy for people to access and for people to learn more about for those of you who don't know about able accounts because I didn't really know that much about it. Like I maybe heard about it a couple of years ago when it was in the news and it came up as an option. But this is a savings account that in, an individual with disabilities can open and save money into kind of like a college savings account. They use that similar tax code for that. And also you could think of it as like a 401k or some other wealth investment accounts that you can put money towards that you can use later on. Um, trusts were also discussed in this conversation too, but ABLE account is seems a lot more accessible and seems like a great option for those who are on SSI and Medicaid and receiving those benefits, but have those, those financial limits on their accounts to be able to save money and put money towards things things that they desperately need related to their disability. For those of you who want to learn more about this, this information will be coming your way. And I want to look at this as a kind of a nationwide thing. I know I went to the North Carolina ABLE training, 
but actually we don't have like a residency requirement so anyone across the country can open an NC ABLE account. Yeah, I'll put some like primary or preliminary links in the show notes if you're interested and just let me know too if you want some specific information related to you. I'd be happy to talk with you about that. But yeah, I'm trying to figure out how to package this information, get this out there to you all because this is so incredibly helpful and a great option for the time being when it comes to financial planning and estate planning. And what was really great about attending this training, this was like a four hour thing I did on Monday, was I actually saw a couple people that I met through the autism grown up community. It was so great to see them. Uh, one of those people in particular is Katrina Hayes. Her ha- her Instagram handle is at autismfitmom. So great to see her there. And maybe we could collaborate on something. If she doesn't know that, I just put that out there. Maybe it'll happen. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that was great. It was also awesome to see some diff- some big healthcare organizations sending people out to this training so they can be better informed about passing this information along to other members of the community. So overall, I really appreciated this event and I'm grateful that this was an opportunity available to me. Uh, the other thing going on this week is I was going to go home to do respite this week, but actually I'm going this upcoming Sunday, which will be really fun. Our respite weekends are really great. I just get to spend a Sunday and a mor- Monday with my brothers and give my parents a quick respite for the day. Something I've also been looking into is something that I learned about in this conversation that you're about to hear in the interview with Dana. Uh, She actually works with her brother, who's also an autistic adult, and she uses, as she works under a different service definition than respite. So I'm looking into that to see how I can do that with my brothers, because I'm doing a lot more than respite. I'm doing a lot more skill building. I'm helping them build their independent skills, their self-care skills when it comes to getting ready for bed and transitioning between activities, especially for my brother Tanner. He's the younger between my two brothers. He's 20. And my mom, she, she'll do kind of like a daily or every other day report on how different things we've put into place are working. We I've made like a lot of visual supports for him. One of his favorite things these days is Shrek. And that's like this favorite thing to look up on his iPad before he transitions to the next activity. Uh, and that can slow him down, especially when he needs to get to his bus, his day program bus. Uh, we'll just, there's like no warning when the bus comes. They are at the bottom of the hill and they honk the horn and away my brothers have to go. There is like a range of time that I'm trying to convince my mom that maybe we can shift off the iPads a little bit earlier. I know that leaves a lot of time for downtime so we'll have to navigate that because my brothers this is their time to be on the iPad before in the morning. They had to get up and get ready to go. That can be the toughest time for Tanner so this iPad time I totally understand that this is something that she wants to give him the space to enjoy before he leaves but it is pretty tough when the the van's at the bottom of the hill we have to get ready to go and he has to search it search shrek roaring at a puppy those exact keywords and then pull up the image and look at it show it to everybody and then start to put it away uh, so something i did was print out a picture of it so that way he has it like in the drawer right next to him that he can look at right before he goes um we have like some some success with it but i think he likes to type in the keyword so just a couple things we're working on and something that we'll be looking i'll be looking more into in my next visit home is seeing how this works for him and maybe making some adjustments here and there with that that's just like 
one key example of one of the major projects I'm kind of putting myself through that we're putting ourselves all through as we help make mornings a little bit easier for everybody. But yeah, th- those are kind of the major updates. I'll let you know, I'll know how that goes and if anything's come up. Let me know too if there are any special transition based things that you've done in the past. We've used timers. Timers work really well, Tanner, to a point. Um, we use a timer all throughout the morning, more or less like a countdown all throughout the morning for him to get dressed. So he is a little bit strained with it when it comes to time that time to go. Uh, but yeah, any other thoughts you all have would be wonderful to hear. We are always... As a family, my you all met my dad on a previous episode, but I'm also chatting with my mom and my sister and we're like brainstorming and also talking to my brothers to see what they like and what they think would be helpful for them. I love being able to do that. So would love to extend you, you all into this group too. All right. And then now shifting into the episode with Dana Kelsey. I talked with her um, a few weeks ago. I'm excited for this episode to air. I like to batch a lot of these episodes. So we are ready to go when the time comes and we have plenty of prep time for passing along final edits of the show and social media images and that type of thing that's like the student of me is student in me I like to procrastinate sometimes but I also like to be very much ahead in terms of scheduling you never know with podcasts how things go but this episode yeah we recorded a few weeks ago Dana was so great in spending her time with us and she is someone I love following on social media so I was very excited I I said excited a lot y'all but it's so true to have her on this podcast because she's one of the first people I started following when I first started getting autism grown up out there and she I felt just immediately like a fellowship with her because or like a kindred spirit type of thing if you all watch Anne with an E that's like my favorite phrase from her uh and that we are both autism siblings we both have an autistic brother who is an adult and I feel like they have similar support needs some similar challenges some similar interests for sure you all will get to hear a little bit about her brother Rob who is a major part of her presence online and they have such a great friendship that reminds me of how close I am with my brothers um you'll all feel that for throughout this episode uh she works closely with him as like one of his primary caregivers she has a social media presence with him at autism underscore IRL and she also is a BCBA she has a lot of experience in autism bringing this into her work today and then we also get into some major needs when it comes to adulthood services when it comes to staff there are a lot of staffing issues and when it comes to a lot of staffing issues when it comes to finding someone who is like the perfect fit for your autistic loved one someone who understands them also there's just a high level of turnover because this position is not paid very well and there isn't support and training that needs to be put into place so we go down those topics for sure and I think this leads us perfectly into thinking about planning out a future episode on this let us know if you are interested in hearing more about this about any of these areas I think Dana would be very happy to share because we both actually are both have been in these roles as staff members and professionals in this field but don't let me ramble on much longer we're gonna jump into the episode here we go welcome to the autism grown-up podcast thank you so much for joining us today Dana. Um, So can we first get into a little bit about you and your work in the autism community? 
Sure. I am a BCBA, a board-certified behavior analyst, and I've been working professionally in the autism field for the past uh, also am involved in the autism world as I have a older brother, Robert, uh, who is on the spectrum. Um, so I've, I've been knee deep in autism, um, essentially my whole life. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Um, and then you're also sharing a lot about him in, through this new, I was going to say new social media platform, but it's been around for a while though, but your, your profile <laughs> hasn't, you, when did you start on Instagram? Um, I started on Instagram, oh my gosh, maybe a year and a half ago, I want to say. Okay. Um, yeah, so it hasn't been, it hasn't been super long. Um, you know, I, I had a personal Instagram account for a while. Um, and then once I, I moved home, I moved home about two and a half years ago to help my parents kind of take over some of the, the direct care for my brother. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was a few months after I had moved home that I, I decided to start the Instagram to share Robert with the social media world. Just like so amazing. I feel like I don't, I don't know how many people talk to you about this, but I feel like it's just made a tremendous impact on the autism community and just like showing representation online of what it's like to be an adult on the spectrum. Thanks. Yeah, that was, and I mean, that was really kind of my whole goal. I, honestly, I did not think we were going to have as many followers as we do. I originally, originally started the account to kind of keep in touch with some of my friends and, and coworkers and colleagues um, from Massachusetts and kind of keep them up to date on what I'm doing with Rob and, and what I was working on with Rob. Yeah. Um, and it just kind of took off from there. Um, and no, it's been great. And I've been able to, to get in contact with and connect with so many people from like across the globe. You know, I've talked to people from Australia and Italy and England, and it's just, you know, it's crazy. It's, I never, I never thought that it would have as big an impact as it has. I mean, as of right now, I'm like pulling up your account, like as of this recording, you're at like 4,132 followers. That's <laughs> Yeah, that's so crazy. You know, a little micro influencer, I guess. You yeah. Know? I, don't know what stat, I don't know what status level 4,000 qualifies you at. But. No idea. <laughs> but it, you know that, like, if you've ever been to Disney and been on the, like, Buzz Lightyear ride and you yeah. kind of qualify as, you know, your your score range of, like, what you're labeled as, I feel like Instagram needs one of those. You do. Yeah, you could have, like, a little star or a check mark. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Definitely. Especially like when people are going online and they're like looking for any type of resources or people to like look to because I mean people may look for Autism Speaks or the Autism Society but like to have like everyday experiences is and to see right. other people living their lives the way they are and being real about autism is yeah it's pretty tough to find. Yeah, no, definitely. And that's, I'm glad that I can be there to, to kind of be one of those accounts and, and give people a more realistic view, I guess, of what life might be like for an adult on the spectrum. Right. Yeah, so true. I think also, um, what was I going to say? You also were, you won an award, right, for your, your account. I did, yeah, um, through We Go Health, the Advocating for Another Award. 
um, which was very surprising and, and shocking and kind of seemed to come out of nowhere. Um, but it was nice. It was, you know, it was nice to kind of feel recognized. Um, I think a lot of, a lot of times as, as like a caregiver and somebody who is, who is there, you know, providing care so much for someone, you can kind of feel unrecognized and feel a little bit unappreciated. So something like that, you know, really just blew me away. And like I said, it was just so nice to, to feel recognized for some of the work that I was doing. It's incredible. I mean, I have no, I had no idea about the award, like the award category and that that could be even a possibility for people. So that's so, so amazing. Thanks. Yeah. And so I wanted to ask you a little bit when you said you were, you went, you went back home to do more direct caregiving with Robert. So do you do, mm -hmm. um, if you don't mind me asking, that's all good. Um, do you do respite with him or is it mostly just you coming in to help here and there? I, so I right now technically am hired under his self-direction plan as his community habilitation staff. So as his like direct service provider. Okay. Um, so I'm in there 40 hours a week working as his staff at the oh, moment. Okay. That's really interesting. That's good to know, especially for just sharing about that, because I think I, I also I also do that type of work too, but just on like a respite level with my brother. So that's mm -hmm. really interesting to discover. Um, yeah, I would do you know I would do um, more of the like respite care when I would come home on vacation and things like that when I was still living out in Massachusetts. Right. Um, but moving moving back uh, to upstate New York, I didn't really know if it was going to be a possibility that I was going to be able to work kind of for him, you know, I thought maybe if anything, I could do some respite on the side if I had another job, but it just kind of all fell into place and worked out. Yeah. Um, and it's been great because, you know, I've, I haven't had to worry about allocating my attention elsewhere. I can just kind of focus on Rob and yeah. where we're headed with him. That's amazing. And then kind of share that along the way too, via the account too. Um, I also Yes, yeah. Yeah, a lot of people don't. So he gets it through his services, mostly through like the Medicaid waiver, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, we we elected to do um, to self direct our funding through the Medicaid waiver services. So that's not using. Yeah, I'm just kind of like. So a lot of people don't know about this at all. So I'd like to get into it whenever I possibly can. Of like when you finally get a slot, you can choose to be self-directed like your family and my family too, we're self-directed too. Or you can go the agency route where they can hire all of this. We, oh, go ahead. Yeah, and we initially went the agent, we, we initially went the agency route. So for quite a few years, we were with a local agency and the problem was we couldn't find appropriate staff. You know, we had these kids coming in who didn't have a lot of experience and Rob's a big guy and he can get a little loud and a little aggressive. Mm -hmm. um, and we just, you know, the, the turnover rate with the staff was insane. Um, we couldn't keep someone for longer than a few months or if we did have somebody, they didn't have the right training. Um, so that's why we, we veered away from, you know, the agency directed services and, and went the self-direction route so we could have a little bit more control over the staff that were coming into the house. Okay. Yeah, that's a really, a really great point and like a pro tip for sure for like understanding more about like what services could look like on a day-to-day -day basis. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's, it's hard to, you know, the service piece 
I mean, these are things that I, I still feel like I don't know as much as I should about Medicaid and the Medicaid services. And I think finding resources and learning about them is, is difficult unless, you know, you could spend hours getting into these government websites or your local, you know, state websites and trying to figure out what's available. So I love that that's kind of your whole niche that like, that's what you want to do is, is gather these resources and help share them with families. Because I think that's one of the hardest things is it's, you know, you, you reach this point, you reach adulthood and you're like, what is even out there? What is even available? Like, what are my options? Mm -hmm. Um, so it's been tough. Yeah. It's been tough. Yeah. And, um, even with like, you feel like you've figured something out and then there's the whole a whole nother level of like oh actually nope you actually don't really know oh everything <laughs> when it comes to this thing which I'm always discovering with this I feel like I'm on a Medicaid rabbit hole right now <laughs> <laughs> especially with like within my oh, yeah. not to mention like whenever I post anything on Instagram people are like out in California it's this thing or in Chicago it's like this for Illinois I'm like oh my gosh I had no idea um yeah, the differences between states are are mind-boggling. Yes, you get into it, you know, and it's I and now I understand why there are families who have like moved states and changed residency in order to access services because services are so different state to state. So true, and like my family now that we finally got off the wait list, my dad's like we're not going to move this state from the state. So you yeah. and your sister need to figure out where you want to live here. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. <laughs> oh yeah. The, oh my gosh. The wait lists. Oh, that's what a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. And I was talking with a parent the other day and my dad happened to be there too. And I realized this other insight of like, we had been waiting for so long. And then when they finally told us we were, we had our slots, they were like, okay, choose your services. You need to choose them today or who you're working with today. <laughs> and my dad was just like, what? Um, oh my God. <laughs> yes. So I also say, if you have a chance to get to know the services in your community, please go ahead and do so. Yeah. Like the more, you know, is the more, you know. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, I also wanted to ask you if you were comfortable sharing about, like, your um, yours and Rob's experiences with, like, his day programming and what you all have learned from that. Because I remember hearing on a different podcast episode that I think it was Adventures in Autism. I'll link that if people mm -hmm. want to listen to that episode because it's such a good one. Um, <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's such, like, it's such a – tough, challenging, and really sad story, but at the end of the day, really highlights, like, there's such a tremendous need for, like, autism training and expertise in these settings. Yeah, yes. So, you know, I'll, I'll try to summarize. Definitely link that um, yeah. podcast episode, though, because I'll, I'll go, I go into more detail there. Yeah, um, but following, yeah, yeah. Um, so following high school, Rob, my parents found um, a day program in the area for, you know, adults with disabilities, kind of very open-ended, not necessarily autism specific, um, but something that Robert could go to for a few hours during the day. Mm -hmm. um, and like I said, it served a whole range of disabilities and a whole age range. And it wasn't 
an appropriate fit for Rob. The staff in the program didn't understand autism. I don't think they had ever worked with someone who didn't have vocal abilities um, and couldn't communicate their wants and needs. And, and unfortunately for us, um, Robert was involved in a traumatic incident in the community with one of the staff members. Uh, one of the staff members ended up essentially assaulting Robert in the community due to frustration uh, over Robert's, you know, lack of ability to explain why he was upset. Mm -hmm. um, and Amber put his hands on Robert, and like I said, in a way that caused him trauma in a few years. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we saw an exacerbation in his obsessive compulsive behaviors, and he would engage in these, these very intense rituals for hours and hours and hours upon end. Um, and even getting him out into the community, because the incident happened in the community, Robert mm -hmm. built up all of these rituals surrounding community outings and in the community, um, you know, as, as a way to kind of help him cope with what happened. Yeah. Um, so it was something that really impacted our family. And like I said, it, it, all, it all boiled down to a lack of appropriate training. Mm -hmm. um, and the problem too is, is the, the, the salaries that these, these staff are being paid, they're not being paid a lot. Yeah. You know, they're barely being paid a little bit above minimum wage. So that incentive to want to come into work and learn and train and, and to gain an education in autism, yeah. that incentive and motivation isn't really there. Um, a lot of these individuals that work in these programs just kind of see it as a paycheck. Um, and, you know, we had some friends who were familiar with the program and they, they kind of confirmed what we believed that, you know, the staff would come in and just kind of everybody would sit around during the day. There wasn't a lot of activities for these individuals to do. There would be, you know, they would color or put a puzzle together. And it's, it wasn't anything that was rigorous or challenging. And for someone like Rob, who had been, my mom homeschooled him, and he was in some very, you know, strictly scheduled programmed days. You know, he was always doing something, always getting up, going out, had different activities every hour, did something new. So to go from that type of structured environment to something that was so unstructured and with such, you know, a large amount of downtime, um, it just wasn't great and it didn't end well for us. Um, so we've kind of been trying to come back from that. That was about 11 years ago oh, um, wow. this month. Okay. Yeah. So it's been a long process, but you know, we are on the up and up and mm -hmm. we're, we're trying to figure out, you know, what our next steps are for Rob and if, if there are any you know, more of appropriately designed programs yeah. that we can find for him. Yeah, so did, I also was, um, just wanted to follow up with, uh, how old is Rob? Rob is, he just turned 34 last okay. August. Okay, my gosh. Was, yeah, thank you again for sharing mm -hmm. that story. I mean, it's- Yeah, absolutely. Tough to share, I'm sure, and yeah, I mean, it's, so heartbreaking. Never. It is, but I, you know, I think it's important. It's important for people to hear that, you know, these things happen. And unfortunately, I know Rob is not the only one who has experienced some, something like this. Right. Um, so it's, you know, I think, like I said, it's it's important for people to know, you know, to pay attention to changes in 
in behavior. Cause that was something we noticed with Rob too. He was going to this day program for a while. And then all of a sudden he asked to like, stop riding the bus and stopped kind of wanting to go to school. And, and, you know, we don't know if anything was happening at, at you know, during the day program itself, but it, clearly he could tell that, that, you know, he, he didn't like being there anymore. And he, he didn't want to, didn't want to go anymore. Um, and unfortunately, you know, he couldn't really tell us why or what was going on, but yeah, it's, it's tough. Yeah. Especially in thinking about like our other guys that are also not able to tell us like what happens during the course of the day. Um, I also Mm -hmm. think about that with my brothers too, because I think it's, yeah, it's been a year as of today or as of this month uh, that they've been attending their day program. And it sounds exactly like the day program Rob attended 11 years ago. And uh, yeah, it's just a lot of, we do ask them what they, every day we get um, that they did a puzzle and that Tanner drew something. Um, So Mm -hmm. nothing else further from that. And it is, it just feels so unstructured. And every day I think my mom has like that first like protective pull of like, I just want, maybe they should just be home all the time. Like they just, yeah. Such a right to be. Right. Yeah. But yeah, it's something that we just need to all think I'm hoping to like delve into day program, day programming a little bit more in the future and get the word out there more so about like the requirements for training, the requirements for setting one up, because I think a lot of parents do have questions about what that looks like, but are just not sure, you know, just like this whole Medicaid business. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you don't, you don't know, you, you find a a program that is for autistic adults and you think, oh, great. They know what they're doing. Right. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's not necessarily the case. No, this whole area. Yeah, you're right. This whole area is mostly unregulated. I mean, it's regulated to an extent where they need to follow certain state regulations for like having groups of people with a wide range of disabilities in one room. But beyond that, no, like you said, they're not getting paid to the extent to show that they have this training in this background. Like it does require a certain Mm -hmm. amount of a, a certain person to really be able to be successful in that position, I think they should be paid really well for it. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the other thing that that really gets me with the day programming, just to kind of go off on a little bit of a tangent, yeah, um, is that you know we we see these individuals aging out of of high school around you know twenty, twenty one, twenty two, mm-hmm. and then what the learning for them is supposed to stop. And they're just supposed to go hang out in a room and color and engage in leisure activities. It's like, can you imagine if the world was full of us with our like 22 year old minds? I know. You know what I mean? Like we were in college, we went to graduate school, like just to think that it's, it's acceptable for the education and the learning to stop for these individuals just because they have autism is, is mind mind blowing so that's a whole nother thing i could talk to have a whole podcast talking about that (laughs) i'll have to have you back on and talk about that (laughs) for sure because like i mean are they supposed to be attending this particular programming for like the next 30 to 40 years of their life and just have no engagement like it's frustrating right that's what i mean yeah it's very frustrating 
oh my gosh but then thinking um kind of shifting towards like things that are going on today something for really new is that rob is in attending like an art class with you weekly right yes yes he is (laughs) oh my gosh yeah tell us a little bit more about that because that seems like it's really motivating and exciting for him yeah, so I was able to, through um, my, actually my yoga teacher, who is a part-time artist at the studio, okay. um, she connected me with um, Bartan, who is the executive director of this studio in Utica, New York, and they provide classes and services for individuals with disabilities and individuals on the spectrum. Um, so we took him to go on a tour of the studio at the very end of December. Okay. And we're like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, we're not sure. We'll kind of see how he does. He engages in a lot of ritualistic behavior. So if items are kind of out or doors are open, he'll kind of want to put things away and shut all the doors and close the drawers. So mm-hmm. we weren't sure how it was going to go. But he walked in and you could tell he kind of was a little nervous. Um, but he took it all in and he responded so well to his art teacher and he, you know, listened and did a couple little activities and we're like, okay, let's, let's try this out. You know, it's one of the very few things I've been able to find in the area for him to do. Mm -hmm. Um, so he started going, um, the beginning of this month, he's gone now, I think three official art classes and he is doing so well and he loves it. Um, he calls he calls um, the art studio. He says that the art studio is on Sesame street oh um, because you have to walk down like a little alley and it's a brick building and there's um, green lettering on the door of the studio with the studio's name. So he'll talk about art class on Sesame street and it's so adorable. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, but yeah, he loves it. Yeah. That is awesome. And that's like also really bringing in his interest too, because he likes to draw and he's, into different types of media. Yeah, he loves, you know, we've always, my mom has always engaged him in in a lot of like arts and crafts growing up. Mm-hmm. So he loves coloring. He used to love playing with Play-Doh, all of those type of like tactile activities. Um, he loves, he's not a big fan of being dirty though. Okay. So that was one of my biggest concerns. I was like, oh my God, he's going to sit down with clay and he's going to have clay all over his hands. Like, how is he going to handle this? Yeah. Um, but so far, so good. Every uh, once yeah. in a while, he'll kind of give us a little like, oh, like, look, like, oh my God, my hands are so dirty, but he'll move on. And his art teacher is great about showing him that his hands are dirty too oh. and reminding him that he can wash his hands at the end. So we're, you know, working on tolerating, not always having clean hands. Yes. Um, but yeah, like I said, it's it seems to be something that he's taken to. So we're going to keep rolling with it and see how he does. Oh, man. I love it. Oh, gosh. I'll have to put that on my list, too. I wonder if I have that on the... I have a blog post of just, like, activities to consider to try. Um Oh my gosh, yeah, definitely put that on your list. (laughs) Yeah, and definitely for my brothers to try too. We have to look for what's in the area too, because we were talking before this too that our brothers are a lot alike. Like they would have the best of times together just hanging out (laughs) with their. Oh my gosh, right. (laughs) Hanging out on the pottery field, making their clay pots. Yeah, I can see it. (laughs) Yes, totally can too. Oh man, they could start their own studio. It'd be so fun. And Tanner could draw his Disney characters on them. Oh, man. He's definitely oh like... Oh, my gosh, yes. Yeah. 
he is definitely someone that my mom is like, he would totally love getting into that stuff. He's, he's also a little bit worried about getting dirty too, because he's always the first to tell mm-hmm. us if his shirt got dirty and he needs to change it. Um, but I could see, <laughs> but Tyler really loved arts and crafts and Play-Doh when he's younger. He's just like not outwardly seeking arts and crafts all the time. Like Tanner, Tanner's always drawing, but Tyler, I think he would really benefit from something structured like that. He'd love it. Yeah, and that was that's kind of Rob too. You know, he doesn't actively seek out, you know, art and drawing. He'll actively he'll want to like write lists and make lists with markers. Um, but in terms of like drawing and Play-Doh, he'll he kind of has amused us in the past, and he'll he'll sit there and play with it. Um, but yeah, like I said, it's nothing he he actively s- seeks out. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's something he seems to really enjoy. So yeah, I highly recommend for your brothers. Put that on the list. Um, and then speaking of like things that you've tried, um, what are some common resources or tools that you've turned to or you would recommend others to use? Just kind of like if you have so many roles like <laughs> that you were occupying. So whatever comes to mind for you, <laughs> as, like an autism sibling, a caregiver, a behavior analyst, or maybe combining all of them. Yeah, so one of my kind of biggest, biggest things is a lot of, there's a lot of misinformation out there when it comes to autism and autism treatments and things like that. So one of my favorite resources is um, the Association for Science in Autism Treatment. It's asatonline.org, A-S-A-T-online.org. Um, And it's a website that you can go on and you can search if you're interested in the science behind, you know, some of the diet protocols, or if you're interested in the science between some type of therapy you've heard, you can get on there and search um, and it'll tell you whether or not there is evidence behind it. It's, it's run primarily by behavior analysts. Um, So it's an excellent resource. Um, like I said, if we're looking for peer-reviewed evidence-based research, um, definitely highly recommend that. That's great. Um, and then in, in terms of, you know, personal as like an autism sibling, I just love the social media community online. I think that, you know, whatever your social media outlet of choice is, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, I think it's, it's important to get on there because you can feel so connected. Like we talked about, like, I feel like we are such close friends and I could talk to you about anything autism related and ask you questions and we can relate our brothers. Um, And that's hard to find in, in IRL, right? It's hard to find (laughs) in real life. Um, You know, it's, it's, It can be tough to find local groups and local communities like that. Um, But I think the power of social media is, is important. And like I said, feeling that connection and not feeling isolated and not feeling like you're the only one. Mm -hmm. Cause that was something I think growing up as, as a sibling of someone on the spectrum, nobody else in my high school had an autistic brother or sister, you know, nobody else really had had a sibling with a disability and you know it wasn't something that really impacted me significantly but it was something that I always was in the back of my mind yeah like oh they can't really relate to like what my brother does and you know having friends be like what do you mean your brother is a little different um so to find that community and be part of it online 
you know, it, it's, it's nice. Like I said, it kind of makes you feel like you have this online family that's there to support you and can understand what you're going through. So highly recommend um, getting into the online autism world. Amazing. I love that. Right. Um, and then shifting towards like our last bit of questions. Um, what are some things you're excited about and looking forward to in the coming months? I, I know we, we just kind of talked about it, but I'm so excited for Rob to continue going to these art classes. I had a conversation with his art teacher at the end of his last class and his art teacher Vartan said that he could, he could already see Robert kind of gaining independence in the studio and eventually reaching a point where he can come in and work on projects on his own and not require such, such hands-on help. Mm -hmm. um, and you can see Rob has already picked up on some techniques already um, and has, is gaining skills and picking them up and he's only gone three times. So I'm really excited to see how independent Rob is gonna be able to be in this art studio. And I can't wait to see what kind of projects he keeps making. He keeps making these little clay pots um, and they're so cute and it's, it's something that he seems to like. And next week we're gonna try his hand at painting with some acrylic paints. So we'll see okay. how that goes. Oh, that's so cool. I'm so excited to follow along too. <laughs> what he does. Oh man. Um, and then how can people listening to this episode get in touch with you? Um, either on Instagram. Um, our handle is at autism underscore IRL. Or you can email me um, at autism period IRL at gmail.com. Either one of those are great outlets to get in touch with. Perfect. Thank you so much again for being on the podcast today, Dana. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This was, it was so nice to talk to you. Me too. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode and a huge thank you again to Dana for joining us today. Everything that we talked about in this episode will be in the show notes. You can check those out there and then you can also continue the conversation with us in the Autism Grown Up community. You can access that at community.autismgrownup.com and I'll chat with you all there and I'll talk with you all next week.